to me, that's just like ADD of the current state we're in with like social media and crypto and NFTs. I think it's kind of a symptom too that like a good idea is all that matters. They're they're throwing ideas at the wall. They're like, we're going to build 50 SaaS platforms in the next, you know, five months or whatever. whatever pops, I'll run with that is like what I see. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Bootstrapping SaaS to Millions. I'm Kevin. That is Mike, my brother and co-founder. And we're talking tips, tricks, advice um, from taking our business from zero to an eight-figure status. What's up, dude? How you feeling? Hey, good, man. Good. I thought today we ought to talk about the power of focus. So if you're listening and you have like a day job and you're trying to build a SaaS on the side, or if you have a bunch of side hustles, or if you're one of those companies that's like, hey, we're going to put out like 50 products a year and see which one sticks. Um, this is some brainstorming for you. Power of focus. So we got to take ourselves back to basically 2017, right? When we had zero customers or even before that. But... Late 2015, 2016, when we were building it. Um, we, we definitely had split focus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had other things going on. We had the side hustles. We were, we were earning an income, I think in anticipation of that income going away. And so there was kind of a loose plan. Wouldn't you say like, wasn't there like at least a six to 12 month, like, Hey, we're going to go all in on this. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was this like notion we had in our head that we had to focus on this, that there couldn't be um, just like, this is one of the things that we're doing. And of course, you know, there's things we had to wind down or financial stuff we had to get in place. But I think once we did, once this was everything we were doing, man, that's powerful. Because I I remember, I remember that shift of like, okay, if I had freelance projects and I was thinking about spectacular, like late at night, what's your mind going on? Usually it's a thing that's a little more present, a little more pressing. And that was like the thing that was paying the bills. That was the thing that had the deadlines. That was those like freelance projects. And if your mind is spinning on how to solve those problems, that's your mind not spinning on how to solve like whatever you're trying to build for your, your SaaS business. Yeah. And I remember feeling that cutover of where in my, in my case, it was like a little bit of both. It was quitting a full-time job and then um, just not taking on real estate clients or saying no, or just not even seeking it out. And then you just kind of let your mind fully invest and, to me, and that's one side of it. The other side in a minute we'll talk about is what clients feel when you talk to them and interact with them. Like they, there's, there's just a feeling that you can't describe when someone's like lives and breathes trying to solve your problems. Uh, let, let's dive into that in a second. But first I want to ask you, like what, what shifted in your mind once you weren't taking it, you didn't have any more real estate clients, you didn't have a day job. Like how did it feel internally? <laughs> I started journaling for like the first two weeks and then I dropped off because I wanted to chronicle the whole journey <laughs> and then it quickly stopped. Um, well, there was like stages. It was like almost like stages of like grief of like scared, anxious, holy crap, I have all day. And I almost didn't know how to be because I didn't have the experience that you had maybe freelancing or working for yourself. So for me, it was it was a drastic shift of like, okay, what do I do? How do I organize my day? But then there was a certain point where anyone contacted us or if there was any leads or anything to do, it was like the morning hours 
was it. It was got, it got done during the most creative part of the day. And I had never felt that before. And there was a certain momentum that started to pick up of like basically waiting around for like anybody to write in or to call in or just writing more articles and starting to feel that productivity momentum. So it, it was liberating and really scary because anyone with a job that's used to that life, you're trained, you're trained to sit around and wait for work to come to you. Yeah. So once that shift happened, what you were talking about, what that enabled and some of it was like what the clients felt. So yeah. How, how do you think that impacted? And it, I can only, I, I, I try to go back and think, okay, had I still been running out the house to like show houses all the time or working on an SEO project, like freelance wise, those clients wouldn't have got an answer right away. Some of them would have still maybe loved the tech, but been like, okay, yeah, they don't really get back to you, you know, really quickly, or they don't build that relationship. They, they wouldn't feel that relationship with you and I. So to me, it keeps it at arm's length where it's just like, you're just like any other company. Okay. I'll, I'll answer an email within 24 to 48 hours. That's just like standard. Whereas I thought our ability to be on all day and all night was really special to, to those first, for the first, for the first person, let's forget even five, 10, the first guy that wrote in, we were there day and night. You were there ready to fix anything and everything. And that who knows, he may have to went and told 10 people and we don't even remember or know, but that feeling of like, this is all these guys are doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's undeniable as to making someone feel good about sticking with us. What uh, take me back to where you were sitting, what you were doing when it was like, just sitting there in slack with me and you. Cause I, I vividly remember where my desk was and yeah. the feelings of kind of like, uncertainty of like, well, this is it. There's no other option. Yeah. These are some of the most vivid memories because uh, maybe because of the stress and fight or flight response, but uh, yeah, 2017, I'm in the basement of, of that house. I, you know, I had my home built desk with all my monitors and I am like realizing, okay, I stopped taking freelance gigs. There's no more money coming in. And we're probably a year out from making money with Spectora. Um, that and that and that was like eight months out from having my first kid and okay. so I remember just saying okay this has to work there was, was no was that the assumption one year before like was that in your mindset like a year runway yeah that that was always the idea it was like financially I think I prepared myself for a year of just you know this this is it we were of course renting out a room in the basement to make sure that we uh Mark. didn't have such a huge mortgage payment. So like the bleed rate, I was like, okay, it, it'd be painful, but we can sustain for a year. Like that was what 2016 was supposed to be. Yeah. Cause I, I thought, cause I think I'm trying to remember back. I have to look at statements, but it was like either I had like 50, maybe 60 K and that like, I went into that year knowing, okay, we're good. If nothing works for a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, geez, now, now the timeline's all screwy because I'm trying to think of, because my daughter's born in 2017. So maybe it's not as vivid as I wanted to. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember those distinct feelings of like, this has to work. There's no, I, it's a weird thing when your brain doesn't have any like lifelines or alternatives. It's kind of like dating. If you're dating five people at once, you're, you're not that great a person to any of those five people because you always know there, there's like other options. 
And when you, you know, when you have another way of making money, I think you only half ask anything, right? And so there was something essential about us saying, hey, this is it. This is what's going to pay our bills. And it's not there yet, but we're going to get it there. And that, that power of focus, that power of like just discipline and work ethic, and then just how the mind like spends the free cycles work, working on those problems instead of anything else. Um, to me, that was like a superpower that just, we, I didn't know was there because I traditionally, I, I had, you know, multiple businesses at once. I wanted to do everything all at the same time. And that was a lot of my like late twenties, early thirties was like, oh, I'm a tech guy. I'm in grad school. Hey, and now I'm a counselor, but I also have this like web design and development practice. Um, you know, for a while we were making t-shirts. Uh, we had a t-shirt company while doing all those other things. And um, there's, there's only so much brain power. And if it's focused, that's powerful. And the, the concept of creating urgency while still us having savings and runway is like a, an interesting combination. I don't really know what to call it or brand it, but like, you know, you hear some people having two grand in the bank and, and going all at it. And it's like, okay, that's not going to work. Cause if you have any, anyone that relies on you or any rent to pay or food to put on the table, it's not going to work. And so I think we did almost subconsciously prepare for that by just saving our whole lives, you know, mm -hmm. being raised by our dad who just saves every penny. So there is a, a precursor, which is like, if you can grind away at a job that you hate or doing things you don't want to do to save up 50 K or 20, even you allow yourself to create that urgency. Gosh, we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating that like the, the ability to bootstrap a SaaS company isn't something you just decide and make happen. Like for us, we had to plan years in advance, whether we knew exactly how it was going to play out or not, just having safety nets for ourselves was essential. And yeah, my, you know, I had a business back in 2006, 2007, and all of it dried up in 2008 during the recession. So I kind of knew, hey, you need something in the bank to live off of just in case things turn south. And so I think that mentality um, combined with, hey, to start a business, you got to have some runway because it doesn't make money right away, especially in software. Um, just having that where it wasn't so great that you didn't have to work, but it wasn't so small that, um, you know, it, it wasn't going to cause a fire under your ass. Like you needed something, right? And yes. so, yeah, I think that's huge. And for people that want to start a company, think about that preparation that needs to go into making, making sure you're in the right mind space to have that deep focus. What would you say to those that maybe don't have the skills or the, or the, the time to wait to build up a freelance business that allows them to save 10, 20, 50 grand. They just want to start their idea now, but they still have to take that freelance work on the side to like pay the bills. So like, would the answer be, yeah. What, what, what's your advice to them? <laughs> if they're saying like, dude, easy for you guys to say, save up 50 grand or a hundred grand. Well, I mean, we were there, right. And we didn't start a SaaS company at that time. It was like, save as much as you can, like live simply, live frugally. Don't increase your lifestyle as your mm -hmm. earnings go up, like work really hard because those are skills that you're building when you're, when you have a freelance gig or a job, think about the skills you're building. Think about the money you're saving. That's all the preparation that's needed to start a business. And so if you have clients, cool learn how to really wow clients. If you have deadlines and projects, learn how to get better at operational management. 
If you're writing code, keep getting better at writing code, keep learning new tools, new tech. If you're a marketer, if you're a salesperson, like you're learning skills that are gonna be so valuable once you start your own business. And I think for you and I, we had gone through our 20s and 30s, like accumulating skills so that we didn't need any help when we started a business, right? Like we had all the skills necessary in house and we didn't have to spend money. So we had both the skills, we had the money to say, hey, we can go through a year here of, of burn rate because we still live frugally, right? I think at the time I was like, I could probably get by in 20, 25K for the year. And that most people are like, oh, I need like 80K just to survive. And I'm like, why, how, what, are you, <laughs> what do you buy? What do you spend your money on? That's unbelievable. And, um, and you know, this is pre-kids, of course. I think with kids, right. expenses start to accumulate, but ages, still yeah. doable, still, still doable. doable. And you, there's two big points there to highlight that I want to kind of underscore is one, if you want this dream bad enough, if you want to own your own company, learning the skills that can maybe allow you to charge more to actually save up money. If you're trying to do what everyone else is doing, it's probably not going to yield enough money to like stack up and save. And then two, I think, you know, we, we drove shitty old cars that were falling apart. We dressed pretty, we wore board shorts because all we did was just like, play volleyball in our free time. Um, we didn't go to Starbucks every day. Um, we rarely went out and blew money at the bars. I, I had my phase where I did, but then I, I, I scaled back on that more and more. And it's crazy what you can save. Even if it, I, I remember having 15 grand in the bank when I was working a job that paid me like 40 K and uh, it's doable. And then with kids, obviously, like you said, it, it chips away at that, but there's, if you can get to five or 10 grand, that's still runway. And so I think thinking of it as just building up runway, even if it puts off your dream, maybe a, a year or two. Oh, and you can't emphasize enough how, it, yeah, it sucks when you're the guy ordering waters at a bar. It sucks when you're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't go on a ski trip with you. No, I'm not going to this and that. There's so many opportunities to spend money and you feel like you're keeping up with all your friends who they don't have a plan to start a business or retire early or whatever. And so they're just spending it as it comes in. That's a different game they're playing and that's fine. But if you have a vision to start a business, maybe to retire early, to have a business where you can really swing for the fence and become like a multimillionaire, you have to do some different things. And um, yeah, the sacrifice that's there. And, and I think another part of it is making sure you and your spouse, if you have one are aligned, I had a spouse that she was making like 27K and yet somehow she had saved up like 20 grand in the bank in her 20s. So she was like as frugal as I was. And we, you know, in our sports that we enjoyed were stuff like volleyball that were super cheap. Like you, you don't need anything to play volleyball at the park. We liked hiking, we liked camping. And so our, we had kind of set up our lives around, yeah, we're not going to get into fucking wine clubs and, you know, <laughs> every, every winter. And it's super easy to, to do that, especially if you're in a certain scene, like if you're already in tech and the people around you are making six figures, there's pressure to do this kind of stuff. And um, you got to resist it because you have a bigger goal. Yeah. Intentionality around what you do and your hobbies and the people you hang out with. I think a lot of times friends dictate the hobbies and things you, you take up. Um, yeah, I still remember driving that 95 Toyota Tercel, um, and not even caring because I was just like, this helps me save every month and yeah. eating chicken and rice. We live together and it's just like, our diet was so lean in terms of just like chicken, rice, tacos, burgers, like the same thing. And we ate off like 75 bucks a month sometimes. Yeah. 
dude, I had a 99 Super Impreza up until what a few years ago. And then I had like an older Subaru Forester that I still am driving, by the way. Like we are multi-millionaires now. And most <laughs> of my clothes are still from Target. I'm gradually upgrading my wardrobe. Um, I, I, I am gonna probably purchase a new car here, but again, this is like long after we've cleared those hurdles, we've um, achieved what we set out to in terms of the financial future that we wanna have for ourselves. Now is the time to say, okay, I can have these things that maybe our peers had a long time ago, but they're doing it on debt. They're doing it on car loans. They're doing it on all the money that comes in without savings rate. Like I'm saving a greater percentage of income now than I ever was, which is right. nice for making a ton of money. But this is something that like, if you don't get this mentality early, it's going to be really difficult to accomplish what you want to accomplish. I will say if there's no other option and people, you know, you feel urgency or if there's market factors that cause you to say, I got to move on this idea now, I would say kind of firewalling off your, your um, agency or freelance work to one day a week, or it's hard when you start saying two hours a day, cause then it bleeds into other things and clients will put pressure on you. But if you tell your clients, I work on your stuff on Fridays or Mondays or Wednesdays or whatever it is, and that's it trying to set those boundaries. Maybe you can get away with the other four days being full focused on everything else, but that'll only get you so far because then once clients start knocking on the door, what happens when they approach you on the day you're working on your, you know, your hundred K dev freelance client, what you got a choice to make there. And if nothing else, if, if you just must at least spend your most productive hours on the thing that is going to pave the way for the future. Get up. Don't even check the, the freelance email. Um, if you have a day job, see if you can arrange your hours to where you start at 10, 10 a.m. And then you get up at six and you spend four hours on your on your SaaS project before you go to the day job so that your mind is clear, you're focused. And this is the most important thing you knock out. That's, that, you know, to, if you have to. But I, I would say if you can prep, allow yourself the ability to deep focus. Um, it, it's just it, it pays dividends. And for us, I think it w wasn't it a race to paying ourselves first a grand a month. I think it was like we, we knew how many customers we needed to where we could put a little in the bank, in the business bank account, and then pay ourselves a grand a month. And so that intense sprint in the first like six months was like nine months maybe to get to 2,500 a month to pay ourselves. Yeah. I don't think could have happened if we couldn't tell customers, hey, this, we live and breathe this. this is, we're 1 million percent dedicated to solving your problems. So like keep talking to us was yeah. the lines I remember saying. I definitely remember because yeah, 2017, January, we got our first customer in December, we paid ourselves for the first time. And so that whole year was just getting our first 200 customers. And to do that, yeah, we needed to be all in. We needed, I remember responding, you know, like middle of dinner, text message comes in like, oh, something's breaking. I'm going to go do this. You know, we made a lot of arrangements within our family to say like, this, this is the focus to, to pave our financial future. And there was so much that needed to be done just to, um, wow, every single person interacted with us. And that's and our, how our low burn rate personally allowed us to put probably 20 K in the business bank account or something like that. Or I think it built up to like 20 or 30 in the first year. Whereas I know some folks, if you have low, if you have low run, low burn rate or high burn rate, low runway, every dollar that goes into your business account, you're like paying yourself. Cause you're like, I got to live, got to pay for, you know, diapers or groceries. So I can't emphasize enough of like, if you can get to 20 K runway or more, 
yeah, you don't want to be in the position of, do I buy groceries this month or upgrade our Heroku infrastructure? Plan? <laughs> <laughs> Um, what else, what else is important to, to, to kind of retro here? Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the folks that I see on Twitter a lot that five side hustles, three crypto projects, you know, to me, that's like the extreme. That's just like, I immediately discount the main project they talk about or the main thing they're speaking about. And like, they, they may not know that, or maybe they can't control the squirrel brain, but the main thing that's in their bio, I'm kind of like, well, you're not really that like focused on it. So like, I'm not going to even go check it out. And a lot of it's tools for like other SaaS founders or other, other people in tech. So to me, that's just like ADD of the current state we're in with like social media and crypto and NFTs. I think it's kind of a symptom too, that like a good idea is all that matters. They're, they're throwing ideas at the wall. They're like, we're going to build 50 SaaS platforms in the next, you know, five months or whatever. whatever pops I'll run with that is like what I see. And as it turns out, it's not at all the idea. It's like the, everything that supports a business, it, it, you know, and it's the scaling up of the business. It's the execution of day-to-day decisions. It's not just build it and they will come. And that's like a fundamental misunderstanding that most people seem to have is like, cool. Once you have the product, you're, you're maybe 10% of the way there. The rest of it is let's get it to customers. Let's support it. Let's convince them that we're serious, that this is a thing they can trust, especially in B2B. Somebody's income relies on the tools they use. They're not going to use tools where it's like, yeah, this guy's around like a day a week and maybe he answers emails, but sometimes he's off like on vacation. Yeah, there's so many factors, you know, in a B2B world to consider that are not just the tool. I guess we, we're not that experienced in B2C. I wonder if it is different where something, if you have a viral loop, I think that's the key. If it's like a, a Calendly where it's like powered by Calendly in the bottom and people click when they see that, maybe you can put a great solid product out there and it could spread virally. But like, man, with without full-time putting fuel on the fire, it's hard to imagine something just like... But even if it does, then you have data structures that are going to start getting taxed. And then you realize like, oh, all this tech debt that I didn't even know I had incurred because I was building it in a way that I didn't expect to add 10,000 users a month. Like you'll have a different set of problems and those have to be all scaled up with resources, time, money, energy. And so, yeah, I don't think there's like, I I just don't think it's a viable way to say, I'm going to build dozens of things at once and see what happens. With your psychology background, do you, do you theorize that there is a subconscious fear of failure by going all in on one thing. So people like diverse, they put their chips on all the colors on the like roulette table. Right. So then they're like, I'll win something if it, if one of these numbers hit, but I'm not going to bet it all on black or red. I don't think you need a psychology degree to know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's really a vulnerable place. If you start showing up to your parties and just hanging out with your friends. You're like, dude, I'm all in on this thing. How many customers do you have? Uh, zero. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a scary thing. And then, you know, if after a few months, you just stop talking about it, people start asking, then you feel shame. That's the risk you got to take. All of this is risk. This entire lifestyle of being an entrepreneur and starting a business, it's risk more than just financial. There's, a, yeah, there's financial risk. There's what you spend. There's opportunity costs, but then there's the emotional risk. There's the the potential shame that you're going to feel if it doesn't work out. And that's where, man, I mean, that gets deep, right? How did your parents raise you? Did they encourage you to take risks? Is it okay if you fail? Those are deep questions that a lot of founders got to 
go, go to therapy, get that shit figured out before you start a company. Cause if you feel like internally, that's the stuff that's holding you back from fully committing, it's going to keep holding you back and you're going to blame market factors. You're going to blame your product. You're going to blame your CTO. You're going to blame all this shit. Look in. Oh, is it okay to fail? God, that's, that hits home. And that's deep. And that's, that's like, that's I hope that means something to someone listening of just like, wow, what's inside me holding me back. Yeah. All right. What else? What else is, uh, what else is there to dig into with this? Cashed out, man. Cool. Well, this is good. No, this is good and concise and it's very focused on the, on that certain topic. And that, and, and that's the thing. I think it's worth noting at the end here of like, if you want multiple streams of lower income lifestyle business, if you want to be that guy or girl, that's like doing all these cool things. That's part of your brand. If you're just like the traveling kind of, you know, entrepreneur and you want 10 things that yield a grand a month, if that's the goal, okay, great. Like, that's fine. We're not saying that's bad. We're saying if you are saying you want a multi-million dollar business and then your actions are, are spread thin and you're, you're, you're chasing every shiny thing on Twitter or Reddit or Instagram, you got to look in the mirror, I think. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we're not saying that there's wrong ways to, to do things. We're just saying, in our opinion, to get to this level where you're making several million a year, I think there's a certain amount of focus that's necessary, but you're absolutely right. You can have a bunch of products that make a few bucks here and there. So yeah, cool. Right on. All right, man. Good stuff. Thanks everybody. See you next week. See y'all.